How easy is it nowadays to pick up our phones and to start a text message thread or to post something on Facebook hurting or belittling or message someone pushing them down and using our words, our voice to belittle people. That's what we're going to talk about today. Our words, our voices carry power with them and they are important and there are voices all around us and voices that speak into our lives and our voice speak into the lives of others and sometimes those voices are really loud and other times they're not so loud. In fact, uh, my father-in-law, uh, you know, a few, a few months ago, maybe about a year ago, had to get hearing aids and you probably know people in your life who have hearing aids. One of the things that he got along with his hearing aids was a device just like this. It is the volume control button on the hearing aid. And there are times where we will have conversations around my father-in-law and all of a sudden you will realize that he is not listening at all. You will ask him a question and he will not even know that you were talking to him and the reason was is because he turned his hearing aids off and he didn't want anything to do with that conversation. Well, my mother-in-law figured this out and she bought a second device. So now, whenever she wants him to listen, there will be dueling devices turning up and down the hearing aids. Do you ever wish that you could do that in your life? Are there people in your life you wish you could turn the volume up and down on? Or maybe there's times where you wish that others had turned the volume down when you were speaking because you realized that what you said didn't need to be heard. And you wish they didn't hear it because you spoke in haste, you spoke in anger. Our words reveal something about us. In fact, the scriptures say this, it is, it is out of the mouth that pours forth what is in our heart. So if you wanna know a person's heart, listen to their words. If you wanna know what's inside of them, look at what pours out of them, especially when there is pressure put upon them or there is something going on that they don't like. Our words have power. They have the power to create and to destroy relationships, the power to build up and tear down, to give or to take away, to start wars or to end wars, and not just globally, but with the people that are all around us. And today we're gonna to look at how powerful our words are as we look at the Eighth Commandment. The Eighth Commandment, uh, we see these words in Exodus 20, verse 16, when Yahweh, when the Lord first spoke them to Moses as he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Would you read these words with me this morning? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. What he's talking about here is, is the language that's used is that of a court case. Meaning there that if you watch a court case, when a witness gets on the stand and they put their hand on the Bible, they have to say, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? No false witness, no false testimony against another person's life. As if you were in a court of law and were held to exactly what you promised to say. When Luther explains this in the small catechism, he says there's actually two sides to what this means to not bear false witness against your neighbor. In fact, if you read all the explanations, there is always the negative side, what you should not do, and the positive side, what you should do. In fact, this is why when we make confession, 
we say, I, I confess my sins of thought, word, and deed, what I have done and what I have left undone. The things I have not done that I ought to do. Because I think there are many times where you and I think, well, as long as I don't do the bad things, I'm okay. But it's not just enough to not do what's wrong, but we're called to do what is right as well. So Luther says it this way under, what does this mean? Would you read these words with me as well? We should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbor, betray him, slander him, or hurt his reputation, but defend him, speak well of him, and explain everything in the kindest way. We're going to look at that first part even more specifically in the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 in just a moment of not telling lies or betraying or slandering or hurting. But then there's that other side. Defend them, speak well of them, explain everything in the kindest way. And notice it doesn't say just those people that you agree with. It doesn't say the people in your life that you like. It says your neighbor. And when you read the parable of the Good Samaritan, and the man asks, well, who is my neighbor? It's everyone who's around you. Whether it's Republican or Democrat, whether it's Packer fan or Bear fan, whether it is someone who's close to you or someone when you look at them, you get that ugly feeling in the pit of your stomach. It says, defend them. Speak well of them. Put the best construction on things. I think that last part's really hard. Because in today's world, in a culture filled with just emotionally charged people all around us, we tend, instead of putting the best construction on things, to be a very suspicious people. We're like, I wonder why they're doing that. I wonder why they're saying that. I wonder what's behind it. We start to assume meaning behind people's words, and we don't do it in a positive way because we're a suspicious people. Instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt, we just give them doubt. And we're called to put everything in the kindest way. When Paul speaks about this, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is going to speak about how we should talk about others. So I'd love for you, if you'd like to follow along, you can follow along in the Bibles in front of you on page 978, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start just a few verses before where he starts speaking about the Eighth Commandment. He is going to talk about our identity. In fact, if you would look at the book of Ephesians, about a year and a half ago, we looked at Ephesians and walked through the entire book of Ephesians. We noticed that chapters 1, 2, and 3 are all about our identity, who we are in Jesus Christ. And the second three chapters, chapters 4 through 6, are all about now that we know who we are, what does this mean about who we are called to be? What does this mean about the life that God calls us to live? So Paul begins to repeat what he's talking about in chapters 1, 2, and 3 in verse 22. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 22, page 978, he says this. So, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. When he's speaking there, what he's using is he's using baptismal language. 
He is saying, in the waters of baptism, you took off the old and you put on the new. And because you've put on the new, don't look like the old person anymore because you've cast that aside. You've thrown it away. Don't bring it back out again, but instead cling to the new, the new person that God has made in Jesus Christ. Look like a child of God. Act like a child of God. Speak like a child of God. Don't look like the old person who is filled with the the corrupt, deceitful desires of the flesh. Then he goes on and says, and this is what it looks like. If you want to know what the new person looks like, here it is, verse 25. It says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. It's interesting that when we think about give no opportunity to the devil, uh, the devil oftentimes means slanderer or we could say it means the father of lies. The father of lies. So in a way, what Paul is saying here is when you give yourself to speaking falsehood, when you give yourself to lying, what you're doing is instead of following Jesus, you've actually decided to follow the father of lies because you're aligning yourself with the one who calls you to lie and to deceive and to cheat and to take for yourself and in anger to lash out and sin against the people around you. Instead, he says, put away the falsehood and speak truth, for we are members one of another. I want you to think about that. We're members. When Paul speaks that way, when he says members, what he's talking about is the body of Christ, that we're the body. And when you think about the body of Christ, what are the things in the body that attack the body? It's disease, isn't it? It's viruses. It's cancer. The things that attack the body from within the body are the things that don't belong to the body and that we try to get rid of so that we're healthy. And so what Paul is saying here is actually that if you're going to attack the body, then you actually can't be a member of the body because you don't belong in the body because you become a virus to the body. And we want to be healthy. And in order to be healthy, then we need to put away falsehood and lies and hurtfulness and deceptiveness. And in fact, when we have guests and visitors, and not just here at Grace, but in God's church throughout the world, and if God's people are attacking each other and lashing out at each other in a way that is hurtful, then people who are outside the church would go, well, why do I want to be a part of dysfunction when I probably already have enough dysfunction in my own life? The way that we speak about each other, the way we speak about fellow brothers and sisters in Christ actually matters for the building up of the body of Christ. It's a little bit like this. My daughter Jessica loves karate. And I took, I forgot to tell you this, but I took one of uh, her gloves that she loves to spar with. This is her uh, before she got second degree. She just earned her second degree black belt. And uh, my daughter, I have come to find out now, is a lot faster than her dad. A lot faster. So there are times I'll come home and Jessica will go, hey dad, let's spar. Well, I have learned that if I stay at a distance, I am in a lot of trouble. So my goal is to make her miss once, because once she misses, I go right into her, because I am still bigger and I'm still stronger than her. That may not last for a long time, but at least right now I'm bigger and stronger than her. 
But if she stays at a distance, she can snipe, right? She, I mean, and she's fast. I don't even see her kicks and punches coming sometimes. And she can fake and she knows how to move because she's trained. And so, so she'll just snipe from the outside and then she'll duck in and move away and then duck in and move away. And at first, some of those kicks and punches don't hurt. But after a while, they take a toll. And every once in a while, she'll get a really good kick in and I'm like, all right, we're done. Because it hurts. It's a lot like our words, is it not? Sometimes our words, they just snipe. At first they don't hurt and it's a little jab here and a little punch there, but after a while it builds up. And sometimes we know exactly how to lash out and those words really do hurt. And we use our words to attack, to hurt, to break down, to snipe. And that pain builds up after a while. Our negative words, our barbed words, our angry words. Paul goes on as he keeps talking about this and says this. He says, so therefore let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Do you see the two competing images he says? He says, says, don't let corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only talk that is good for building up the body of Christ. The word corruption there actually means rotting wood or rancid fish. You ever smell rancid fish before? He says, that's the kind of words that oftentimes come out of our mouth. Or the image is this. How many of you are still working in your gardens, whether it is vegetables or fruits or, or you're working with flowers, right? Some of you are still working in your gardens. Imagine if you're working your gardens with your flowers and you completely mixed up the bottles of weed sprayer and fertilizer. How would that end up in your garden? If you took all of your weed sprayer and sprayed them all over your flowers and you fertilized your weeds, That's not how it should be. That's what he's saying about. He says, don't let corrupting, weed sprayer, destroying, destructive talk come out of your mouth, but instead words that fertilize relationships and build them up and care for them and are a blessing to them. He says, and the reason for that is this. He says, when the words that come out of your mouth are words that seek to hurt and maim and snipe, you actually cause the Holy Spirit to weep. See that? It says, don't grieve. Don't cause the Holy Spirit to grieve. Don't cause the Holy Spirit to weep because of the words that you are speaking when you lash out in anger to hurt other people. Because godly words will give grace. I love that. It It says, speak words that it may give grace to those who hear, which is why uh, what we should constantly be asking as we have relationships, as we're speaking with others, whether it's in the break room or using our devices or in, in, in our backyard or around the dinner table, is we should be asking, are the words that I am speaking giving grace or are they taking and sniping in the midst of it? James says it this way. He says, with it, with our mouths, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We curse and we bless with our mouth. 
In fact, you can think of it this way. When we're here in worship, we sing praises to God. We confess our faith. We receive with our mouths the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. And with the exact same mouths that we receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ and we sing out his praises, we get into our cars and we get around our dinner tables and two hours later, we start yelling and sniping and hurting and undermining and speaking evil about others. And James goes, how can you in one moment receive in your mouths what is holy and use your mouths to speak what is holy and in the very next moment, speak curses? and what's unholy. He says, watch your words. Speak the words that don't hurt and maim, but that bless. And one of the reasons he says this is because we're made in the likeness of God. As a father, I've realized over the years that when people lash out at my children, when people use their words to hurt my children, I am just as offended by that as if they would lash out at me because they're my children and I love them. It's the same for God. He is just as offended when we lash out at the people that are His as if we would speak out against Him because we're His. We are His children. And God would ask us, how would you speak to somebody who is my child? Those are the words that you ought to use for people who are made in the likeness of God. And so Paul finishes this section by saying this, He says, therefore, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away with you, along with all malice. That word bitterness, he says, put away the barbed words that seek to maim and to tear at people. Put away the wrath. He's talking about that boiling up anger inside that overflows and words that spew out of your mouth that ought not to spew out of it. Clamor. That word clamor actually means shouting or yelling. I don't know about you, but I have found that it doesn't really matter how loud I speak when I'm trying to get a point across. If I am shouting, oftentimes people just turn down their hearing aid because they're tired of hearing it and they don't want to hear it that way. So instead of shouting, speak, have a conversation, that shouting actually becomes a barrier. And then he says, and put away slander, abusive speech. And this is hard. It's not easy. What he's asking us is, are my words constructive or destructive? There's another glove that I found the other day that is around our house. It's the gardening glove. Yes, it's a Chicago Cubs gardening glove. But it's a gardening glove. And I was thinking about this glove. What do you do with a gardening glove? You seek to care for your plants your vegetables, your garden. And that sometimes means you have to tear up some weeds, but you tear up those weeds in a way that it doesn't hurt what you've planted. Where you speak the truth, but you speak the truth in love. Because there are times that you and I, we have to speak truth. And we have to speak hard truths. In fact, sometimes we need to talk about things that would cause relationships to fall apart. But when we do it, we do it not so that we find out that I am right, but that the relationship is better in the long run. 
And we have to ask ourselves, which glove is more important in my life? Which glove is more important in my relationships? Is this glove so that I hurt the other person to save myself, so that I win the battle, so that I come out on top? Is this the most important glove in the way that we speak to other people, or is it this one? Where I speak words of grace, of forgiveness, Words that seek to care for others and nurture others and build one another up. Am I using godly words that give grace? And the more that we understand the gospel, the more that that we come in contact with the gospel, the more we understand how badly we need these words. And if you and I, we need these words from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then these are the words that you and I need to give to the people around us. Because these are the words that God speaks to you. I mean, think about Jesus. When Jesus hung on the cross after being betrayed and denied and slandered, after he faced all of those words of bitterness and wrath and clamor and slander, when he faced all of those words hanging on the cross, he could have in all respects and had all rights to wield this glove. In his righteous anger, he could have lashed out against those who put him on the cross and he would have been right because he was sinless. But Jesus didn't use this glove. He used this one. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He used this glove. This is a glove where we speak to people, not about them or around them as we snipe them. It's a lot easier to speak about people and around them because by speaking about and around, we don't give them the opportunity to respond, which means that we're always going to be right and they're always going to be wrong. And when we speak to people, that means that that sometimes we have to work hard to build that relationship, to hear their side of things, and then to find a way through grace and love and forgiveness and relationship to come back together. But this is the glove God has called us to wield as we speak to others, as we care for others, to speak words that are constructive and not destructive, words that speak grace and mercy and not pain and suffering. Because these are the words that God spoke to you in your relationships, at work, at home, in your church, in your neighborhood. Which words do you use? God calls us to use the words that he has first spoken into our life as we share the same words of grace and forgiveness, of love and truth as he has spoken to us as his children made in the image of God. Don't wield this glove. Wield this one. Because that's what Jesus did for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so often it is easier to wield destructive words because then we can get our way. We can accomplish what we want to accomplish. We can try and force people to see things the way we want them to see them. And so we speak in anger and slander. Uh, We put the worst construction on others so the best construction may be on ourselves. We snipe, we undermine, we speak in bitterness and negativity. We wield the glove of destruction. 
and yet you never did that to us. You would speak truth to us, but you would speak that truth in love. You would care for us, love us, nourish us, grow us. So Lord, as you speak words of grace into our life, may we speak words of grace and forgiveness and love into the lives of the people around us so that through us, people may hear you, you and they may hear your words. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give to you his everlasting peace. Amen.